September 12th. And as we turn to the New Testament reading, we'll be looking into the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. We'll read about permission, just as God permitted Satan to test Job and Peter. Now, he permitted Satan to attack Paul as well. God wanted to keep Paul humble after his exciting visit to heaven. In the loving will of God, suffering has a purpose that can be fulfilled in no other way. Accept it, and it will become a heavenly blessing. Fight it, and it will become a heavy burden. We'll read about prayer. Like our Lord in Gethsemane, Paul prayed three times for God to deliver him. But the Lord did not answer that prayer as Paul wanted. However, God did meet the need and gave his servant the grace he required. Paul did not simply make the best of it. He made the most of it. And grace can do that for you. And then there is perplexity. Paul was concerned more about the sins of the saints than about his own physical problems. Like a loving father, he wanted to go to Corinth and enjoy his dear children. But they were forcing him to discipline them. Yet even discipline is an evidence of love. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 12th, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. You Corinthians have made me, Paul, act like a fool, boasting like this. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super-apostles even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you every proof that I am truly an apostle sent to you by God himself. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I didn't do, which I do in other churches, was to become a burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. And anyway, little children don't pay for their parents' food. It's the other way round. Parents supply food for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for your spiritual good, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but they still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, of course not. For we both have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we are saying all this just to defend ourselves. That isn't it at all. We tell you this as Christ's servants, and we know that God is listening. Everything we do, dear friends, is for your benefit. For I am afraid that when I come to visit you, I won't like what I find, and then you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfishness, backstabbing, gossip, conceit, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I am afraid that when I come, God will humble me again because of you, 
and I will have to grieve because many of you who sinned earlier have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. I want you to know that if you turn off what the TV says and you turn off what the radio says and if you turn off what the movies say and if you actually look what Jesus himself has said, he was a tough preacher. I mean, if Jesus was wanting to get a crowd, he had the crowd, amen? And then he stuns the crowd and says, by the way, if any man will come after me, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, If any man will come after me, you want to follow me? He says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now let's discuss this for a minute. What does it mean to deny self? I will, I'll help you with this. To deny is the exact same words used when Peter denied Christ. Do you know him? Nope. Do you know him? No, I do not. You're, you're one of them, aren't you? And with cursings, he says no. That's the way Jesus says. If you're going to come to him, you've got to deny yourself in the same way. In other words, this is repentance. This is vehemently rejecting who you are. Vehemently not saying, yeah, I'd like a little bit of Jesus. That'd be great. No. deny self is the very essence of repentance and that's what Jesus even said I've come to preach repentance John the Baptist his baptism was one of repentance by the way when Peter preached at Pentecost you know what he told the people to do? repent do you know what Paul said to do? repent This this is not just an Old Testament thing ladies and gentlemen You know why? Because when you come to a holy God, you have to first deny yourself. You have to deny yourself like Peter denied Christ. I don't want that. That old life is not me. I don't want that. This is what's separated between me and God. This is wicked. Do you see why repentance is so vital? Repentance is not an acceptance of a certain amount of facts. It's the complete repentance of a sin, of a life of sin, calling out for mercy and asking the Savior to be yours. Do you get what salvation is a call to do? Jesus says salvation is a call for you to lose everything. 
He says, if you're going to follow me, you have nothing left. Salvation is a serious thing. see if you're willing to completely deny self. You better see, honestly, before you even attempt to take the first step forward. Be prepared to be murdered, to be brutalized, to be vandalized, to be cursed, to be spat at, everything for my sake on a very daily basis. Salvation is a call to lose everything to become His. Psalm 56, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time the Philistines seized him in Gath, to be sung to the tune, Dove on Distant Oaks. O God, have mercy on me. The enemy troops press in on me. My foes attack me all day long. My slanderers hound me constantly, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. O God, I praise your word. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting ways to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O God, throw them to the ground. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. On the very day I call to you for help, my enemies will retreat. This I know. God is on my side. O oh God, I praise your word. Yes, Lord, I praise your word. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O oh God, and offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Proverbs 23, verses 6 through 8. Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. They're always thinking about how much it costs. You will vomit up the delicious food they serve, and you will have to take back your words of appreciation for their kindness. Kindness.